I just wanted to chime in your segment real quick. Why don't you check in your drafts? Sometimes when that happens, it gets saved to drafts. So maybe if that helps, all right? Have a good one. Thank you, Jason, from Good Vibes with Jason. I really appreciate uh, that uh, tip that uh, saved my interview or found my saved interview. And so here is that interview with, uh, or more of a conversation really, uh, with Bill, a 94-year-old banker uh, or retired banker, that um, I asked him the question that started this off was, uh, so what do you want to leave behind? And uh, really the conversation evolved from uh, that legacy, the the family. And uh, I thought it was interesting. Helps them get to the, the right place. Right. Anything else is uh, anything else tends to border on arrogance, and arrogance is no place. Uh, there's no there's none of us that's as good as uh, is worth even thinking about it. Really. Right. Because like as we've talked about, like with my son, is like I don't feel because I'm not where I want to be. I don't feel like I'm qualified to tell him the right this and that. Just to kind of guide him with my experience and not be a, like this is what you need to Sometimes, do. Sometimes, Mike, it seems to me that the um, the, uns, the unspoken word between father, especially between fathers and sons, the unspoken word is the most uh, is the strongest and the most poignant of all. Just just because they don't they don't want to be given direction and so forth. An, I, if, if the young teenager is, is healthy and so forth. He already has some preformed ideas of where he wants to take himself. Right. There's an element of self-direction going on already, and he doesn't need dad saying this and this and this. Uh, my youngest son still shows that tendency at age uh, 59, and he's carved out a successful life, uh, and he's the younger of two sons, and he academically he was not as interested or as good as the other guy. But he had personality characteristics that carried him well beyond things. I mean, he he is such a sunshine guy. He, from the time he was a 13-year-old, he was the, the popular kid on the team. Didn't matter uh-huh. if it was baseball or football, Duke, Duke's the guy. But huh. See what Duke has to do. He was, the, he was a national leader. The other boy had to, he, had to, he couldn't do it that way. He had to do it academically. And he, right. And he did do it. And he battled his way through a bad marriage and came out the other side all right. And as a matter of fact, she, the first wife, his, his first wife is, she sent me, she's the first one that sent me pictures of the new twins. Oh, cool. That's the ones that, that you uh, showed me the other day? Yeah. Right, cool. Well, her, her, her name is Becky. She and, Becky and, her, and a boy named Harry Gill were in high school together, and they were Steve's friends. And they got married. They went to Denver and got married. And uh, Harry, I don't know what the hell he was doing at that time, but he got on his motorcycle one night, went out without a helmet on, hit a tree, and died. And Steve was going to law school back in our hometown. And he came home one night and he said, I'm going to go to to Denver on Monday and take the car out of bar exam. If I pass it, I'm going to get a job and marry Becky. God damned if he didn't. And that lasted for five years, and we were down at the Jersey Shore one day on vacation, whole family. He said, let's take a walk, Dad. Should have known. He says, Becky says she doesn't love me anymore and she wants a divorce. I'm thinking, oh, jeez, I, I, 
I can't. There's, no, there's nothing I can do to help this boy right now. This, he's going to have to handle this one himself. There's no words I could say except that we'll get him, you know, get it completed. Son, and we'll just move on from here. But I did say we'll move on from here, inviting wow. him to stay in good discourse. Right. And uh, it worked out all right. He remarried, and she remarried, and she, uh, she's an interesting gal. I it made me mad in the beginning, and this, you know, all the reaction. You know, nobody throws my side like team aside and right. without the potential <laughs> of them. And she's turned out she's still pretty close to in a way and uh, it works out pretty well. But I, I think I don't know, that's uh, that's how it works for me and my boys turned out pretty good. They, uh, and that's ultimately the best legacy to leave behind is is good men and women to move the ball along, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, and, and if if, it's the, if the right moment comes, you, you can just say something. You know, that's but that's part of my obligation. I'm supposed to uh, help you go. I, I needed help. Well, you can say I needed help. Maybe whether you did or not, you can say it. And it sits in the right direction. Right. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm getting. I mean, I'll be 90, 94 in September. I never dreamed about this. That's a long damn time to live. And I got another couple of years left, I suspect. Well, we hope so. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it doesn't rush. It, I, I don't. I don't let myself say it doesn't matter because I, I, I refuse from the beginning to say that I'm going to. I'm never going to say I'm ready to go. Right. Uh, you, you, I don't have control of that. The man has that. He, he's in charge. Of that. So if, if I'm, if I say I'm ready to go, that's the same as tinkering with the machinery. Right. Leave it the hell alone. He'll let you know when you're going to go. Exactly. And you'll be, you'll be lucky. You're lucky if he pays that much attention. <laughs> and while you're here, enjoy the life that you you got. I try to right. do that. And I, there are days when I get a little down too. Uh, I uh, I miss the two women in my life, uh, especially the first wife, 62 years, and uh, married life is. Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody gets any any more pleasure in the whole, all of life than, than married life. Married life is is the pinnacle, in my opinion. Right. Because it involves sharing and and in sacrifice and other things that are, and that, trust and and yes yes having that having that trust and having it like backed up so many times it yeah, that's yeah, reinforcing. Yeah, yeah, that's, to that's, you. that's interesting that you mentioned the trust. In my first, in my first marriage, uh, trust was was uh, what should I say? It was a given. It was a given. It was the, they never, the possibility of lack of trust never came up. Right. She was the salt of the earth from the day I met her. I met her on a blind date, and I walked in the in the room. My roommate and I, Bobby Price, and I had to play bridge with these girls. Holy shit! Boy, look at that! Well, look at that girl. She was a beautiful girl. Uh-huh. And just just right, just right. The, the first time I saw her, she was right, just right. I didn't know how I was going to go around pursuing that, but I didn't right. know. And, and that's a very important, very important and very uh, substantive, I think. And you said before how she was a blessing to you, I mean, in so many ways. And that, so I, I understand how you, what you mean by the married life. Well, I had to, I had to, to, I had to I had to be opportunistic in my life. When opportunities came up, I had to see them, and I had to be willing to move and try them and risk them. 
and part, part of that was just because I, I, I wasn't uh, dealt a hand where I was a, a, a cinch. I, I wasn't, it, it was those questions I was, was, was going to make it from time to right. time. I had to battle my way through things. I walked in, I think I told you the story, I walked into the president's office one day and he said, Bill, we don't need you anymore. Just as cold ass as that, we don't need you anymore. And my response was, you're absolutely right, Mr. Q, you don't need me. I said, how are you going to break the news? Immediately, I took charge of that conversation. He hadn't thought about things. No, I hadn't thought about that. I said, well, why don't you just call the seniors together tomorrow morning, and I'll say there's obviously no place here for me. And he said, would you do that? Yeah, do that. Like, like you know, how with you? And I did. And, and I don't know why I was so confident. But I, I, I got in the car and went up to Reading, Pennsylvania and met with a, a guy who was a young banker and going places in the state. And he said, why don't you start a new bank for me down in your character? Everybody knows you. And they, they pay you about the same as you're making before. I can't pay you quite that much because that would disrupt my guys. But it'll be close. And you just, I said, well, how, how's it going to go? It was just get your own secretary back in there. Just get, get in the car and start going around. Making calls, build it up. And we did. We we built we built a bank. We rented some space. My secretary and I had two car tables and two straight back chairs. That's how we started. Mm -hmm. And when I retired from that job, twelve years later, we had four offices, and we were we were making we were making a two point five million a year profit wow. for, the, for the bank. And I was paid my last year. I was paid. $75,000 base salary and a $24,000 bonus. And in those days, that was good money. Yeah. That, that was as, pretty as much as other people were making. Pretty I'll good. take it today. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't understand that, that to boast. Well, I'm sure in banking now, though, it's, it's everything is so much more. I don't know what the hell it is now. I, I'd be curious to know. Because you've been actually out of the banking business for, what, 15, 20 years now? Or? Yes. Well, out of that job, I was 61 years old in that job the last year, and I'm in, I'll be 94 this fall, so that's 33 years ago. Wow. A lot has happened since then. You couldn't do, you can't do now what I did then. It's a whole different climate and situation. Uh, it all hinged in, in that situation. Uh, most of it hinged on the fact that I got to be the banker for some of the big borrowers in the county. Uh, powerful guys who were, one of them was a guy named Bernie Hankin and he was a piece of work. Uh, he came in to see me one day and he said, that Mr. Lee is a six feet one Jewish guy, smart as hell. He said, Mrs. Hankin, I want to know if you spank will lend us $100,000 anytime we want it with no collateral. I said, well, Mr. Hankin, uh, you, t I mean, you give me your financial statement to study and I'll let you know within 24 hours. And he did, I looked at it, he was worth, I don't know, he was worth maybe $750,000 in those days. He'd been successful, he was a builder, built, bought ground, raised built the price, homes and built homes and did that, that's right. That he, and he was smart as hell. He was Jack Klugman's cousin, Klugman was the actor. They, oh yeah, yeah. They grew from, up in uh, South Quincy, right? Yeah, they grew up in South Philadelphia together. A couple of Jewish boys, sharp guys, and so forth. And I, we came back in the next next week, and I said, Mr. Hankin, 
we'd be happy to lend you $100,000 anytime you want it uh, with no collateral. Two conditions. And his eyes tightened. I said, oh, conditions? I said, yes. He said, what are the conditions? I said, that you tell me what you're going to do with it and when you're going to pay me back. He said, no collateral? I said, just handshake. He said, you're on. Well, when I retired, he had a line of credit with us of $4 million. And everybody in the county, by the, by within a year, everybody in the county knew that, that I was Bernie's banker. And I, a lot of guys came and in. And started opening doors. Sure. Right. Sure. Christ, if he's good enough for Bernie, for Christ's sake, he must be good enough for me. It's just a little shit over there, but it, it must, be, must be something there. Right. So it sounds had, like the good relationships that you had helped propel you to the next stage. When no you question about it. it. Because it and was I'll like calling a friend, and boom, you had another thing ready to go, and then a good relationship made that even flower. That's and the president of our bank was a guy named Wilson McElhenney, who was a Yaley, button-down guy, good guy. But he had gotten notoriety in the same way. He knew what notoriety was all about. Uh, you have to have performance. You can never, you can never uh, show lack of customer, lack of confidence in your customer. Once you start with him. You, you, you gotta be with him, but that it worked. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was fun for me. Wow. I, I was very lucky. Very cool. Yeah. So. So I haven't I haven't quit the paper yet. I'm thinking about it. Well, if I tell you what I heard today, because somebody did quit, and uh, I'll tell you what it, it, I was like, you gotta be kidding me with this. Michael T. Justice, thank you so much for visiting my station. I really appreciate it. I have listened to your episodes, and I look forward to listening more in the future. Have a really great week. God bless you. <laughs> That's funny, bro. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, so I have my degree in political science. <clears throat> so... While it pains me to to give rights to people who believe in stuff like that, I still, at the end of the day, still understand that they have a constitutional right to do it. But I feel where you're coming from. <laughs> hey, man. Thanks so much for your comments and for listening. That really means a lot. I think you make a, a really good point. Uh, do you mind if I uh, use your audio and, and uh, talk about it on the show?